My name is Anne McElhenney. And I'm Phil McAleer. Welcome to the Anne and Phil Scoop Daily Virus. Yes, where we discuss the latest news, views, advice and madness of the pandemic. It's Monday, June the 22nd, week 14. June the 22nd. June the 22nd. So I can see the days getting shorter, you know. That's very funny, Phil. Yeah, that's Phil's way of making fun of my mother. Yes. My mother was very conscious of the days, length of the days, particularly if you're in Ireland where... Oh, God. What's that noise? That's next door sprinkler. Oh, that's next door sprinkler. Okay. Uh, we thought it was a cat getting strangled. Well, I don't, wanna, I don't even want to go there. So it's, yeah, it's week 14. Days that's are getting shorter. Three and a half months of the lockdown. Three and a half months of the two-week uh, flatten the curve lockdown. Yes. Three and a half months now. We're at three yes. and a half months. Just saying that a few times to get it into my own of head. Of a two-week lockdown to flatten the curve. The curve was flattened, but now the rules have changed and now it's about stopping people getting the virus, which is physically is impossible. It's going to happen. Yeah, and there isn't a cure. There isn't a vaccine yet. Of course, people are going to get the virus. It's and all about not overwhelming the health. Service. Yes. So anything about an increase in cases was to be expected. And people need to be not acting like this is ludicrous. How could this possibly happen? OK, Phil, and what else is happening today? What else are we talking about? Well, for the mainstream media, absolutely no news is good news. And we're going to be looking at what Wall Street is watching to try and work out if we're heading for a big fall or a really big fall, because we are heading for a big fall, because when you close the economies... Of the whole planet. Yes, you head for, for a big fall. Yeah, for this length of time. And has the pandemic really caused an outbreak of PTSD? We look at the facts, not the fears. And The, uh, the Guardian continues its nonsense on coronavirus. The Guardian does? No, it's continues shocking. Continues its nonsense on this coronavirus? I, I never heard believe. the like. Is that the, is that the Guardian? Is that the Guardian, the slave-owning Guardian of old? No, and it was only funded from the proceeds of slave owning. And oh, that's it, not so bad. And the Guardian only, in, in a, I'm sure it was deeply thought out, supported the South in the Civil War, called go. President Lincoln evil, and uh, gloated when he was assassinated. There you go. So that's the Guardian for you. But anyway, we should believe everything they say and not close them down. And, and, shocker, and shocker, the BBC strays from the nonsense and ferrets out an actual story. Indeed. Uh, and New Yorkers want to get out of their plague city. Well, wait till you hear where they're going and we speculate whether they will last there. Yes, it's actually that's that's a story really for all of all of us who suffer from um, an addiction to property porn. Yes. Um, so, yes. Yeah, so basically, you know, our first story today is basically looking at the fact that really no news is good news. All news is bad news. No matter what the news yes. is, it has to be bad news. So the New York Times, etc., etc., and everyone else is making a lot, and you'll see these stories absolutely everywhere, that there are these new numbers. Cases. New, new cases, new cases. All a rise in cases. So there's, there's one breathless headline from the New York Times. 12 states hit daily virus records. White House is preparing for possible fall wave and all of that. Yes, and it's, so, and it's um, cases in the US are up 15% in the last two weeks. Seven states hit single-day case records. And so, they, you know, that's... And you hear so much of that that yes. you start to think, oh, God, this sounds really bad. Like, this sounds really bad. Yeah. And then in the actual story from the New York Times, they have their, their numbers. They give you the statistics. So here's the numbers that they have. And it's, it's interesting. So they put in red what they really obviously want you to, to, yeah. to draw the eye to, which is that new cases. So on June the 20th, the 14-day 40, change on June the 40th, New cases, 31,888, which is a plus 
15%. Ooh. In new cases, woo, plus 15%. But below that, they have new deaths for the same period, new deaths for the same period, D-E-A-T-H-S, 542, which is a 14-day change of minus 42%. Now, I don't know, Philem, I think that's the headline. Yeah. Numbers of numbers of dead drop by almost 50%. Would that not be a headline that you think you might want to, you know, telescope to people, right? This is a, this is what they do. They change the goalposts all the time. We need more testing. We need more testing. You can't, you, how you, why aren't you doing more testing? The government's incompetent. The government does more testing. And, of course, the number of cases rises because they're capturing... I mean, we know people who've been tested and had very mild symptoms, but they're down as a test. Yep. Uh, uh, and they're down as an increase in the numbers. But the, when the numbers of deaths have fallen by minus 42%, uh, then... That's a story, by the way. I mean, that's just a story. Um, but yeah, but we're, that's a story you're not, you're not hearing a lot Why about. Why wouldn't the media and the authorities devote all their resources to, to making sure that elderly people and people who are at risk with, with comorbidities are quarantined and isolated as much as possible? I mean, then, then you will have, uh, you know, th that would be a good use of resources, a proper use of resources, rather than frightening people by saying we've all these new cases. Yes, we do, but we're going to have them. Yeah. And they were always going to happen when you have new tests. Exactly. Yeah. So. Um, and the next story is about Wall Street and Wall Street are, you know, clearly because this is an extremely, extremely unusual time. They're not looking to the normal indicators that they use to determine which way the economy is like going. Like factory output. Kind of, yeah, exactly. Like productivity. When yeah, you exactly. closed all the factories, it's a little bit hard to uh, find. Um... So I actually, I love this story. I mean, I, I rather love, actually. I find this fascinating. I, this is the kind of stuff that I really find fascinating. And um, the, new, the Wall Street Journal have done a really great job of looking at... Well, you know, the indicators that Wall Street are fascinated by, and they're really interesting. So it's, it's things like restaurant reservations. So they looked at, at apps like OpenTable. And can I do a quick shout out for OpenTable, which I really love, which is an app that you can download for free on your phone. And I think there's another one called Resi. They're great. Um, and then you can, you know, reserve restaurants without having to make any phone calls. And you can actually write about where you want to sit and all that. In fact, I used the app myself yesterday in Salem and I went out for tapas to the place that we really like to go Happy to tapas. Happy Hour Tapas. Happy Hour Tapas on Main Street in Santa Monica. And it was a little bit sad, though, I have to say. Wasn't it a little bit yes. sad? First of all, there was a kind of a rather, a, a rather uh, obnoxious, let's just put it there, a rather obnoxious young French man at the door. <laughs> and we realized at the last minute that Phelan had not brought a mask. And of course, of course, because of the science, to walk into these restaurants, you need a mask, but then you take it off. Yes. Then you don't wear it at all. Science. 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 Because of the science, right? So I had a mask. I realized, I, by the way, mask. I had some mask that was crumpled up in the bottom of my handbag. You can just imagine how hygienic that was, yes. by the way. Right? So we asked said young, obnoxious Frenchman, who had not indicated that he was French or that he was, in, that he was obnoxious at that stage. Right. But he, 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 by the way, he emphasized both quite quickly. I so we said... I am French and obnoxious. I am French. As and he I spoke will, a Gaulese. I will, be, I, will be I will be obnoxious now. So we said to him, you know, oh, God, we forgot to bring... My husband forgot to bring his mask. Can, do you have a mask? 
He looked very. He would. He was. He. We looked. To, he looked like we'd asked him for the third secret of Fatima. I know? think so. He went inside, came back out quite quickly, and said, "No, we do not have. Go to that place." So he sent me off to a liquor store next door, uh, which of course I had to wear my mask to get into, and they had sold out of masks. So then we had the dilemma. But luckily, as we waited for the restaurant to open, said young French obnoxious young one. Wearing, by the way, wearing, he was wearing, you know, like a, like a kerchief, yeah? Yes. Like a kerchief that he was using as a mask, which, yeah. by the way, hygiene, I don't think so. Off he trotted down the stro- street, took off the kerchief and uh, off into the, into the blue yonder yeah. uh, to leave us behind. And we thought, perhaps we'll have more luck with the next person who comes out. So then Phelan put his hat over his face. And off, off we trotted in. Yes. But what they'd done at that tapas restaurant, which is a really nice spot, called Manchego on Main Street in Santa Monica. Normally it's very hustly bustly and really gorgeous and everything. But they'd taken out basically half the, I'd say half, at least half of the um, the tables. Yeah. So everyone was really spaced out. And it was nice now. It was nice, but it was weird. The whole thing was kind of weird. So let's let's talk about So back to the Wall Street Journal. So what they've done is they've looked at places like um, Resi, like Open Table, and looked at how this, how what is this telling us about the recovery, right? Yeah. Um, Phelan, if you look over here, can you see that? Can you see the sh- chart where I have it here? What I think is really interesting, if you look at different towns. Yeah. So if you look at San Francisco, right? So, you know, it was really, really high, right, in March, you know, loads of people making reservations. Then it totally flatlined, completely flatlined. Vertical and then horizontal. Well, you know, yeah, yeah. so when it fell off the the cliff and then a total deadline. But here's what I think is interesting, Philip. The red line is an increase in um, traffic, right? Yes. See how flat it is? So that's San Francisco. But contrast that to, let's say, Dallas, right? (laughs) <laughs> oh. Isn't that so funny? So people in What's Dallas. What's the black line? What's the black line? Um, let me go back. I'm going to do Las Vegas there as well. Hang on, I'm going to show you Las Vegas. The oh, yeah. black line is the oh the black line is the whole of the U.S. Oh, okay. Gotcha. And then it's an individual place. But what's interesting with that chart is that, is that you see places. And so, by the way, where do you see where do you see um, where do you see Los Angeles? If you hit Los Angeles again, yeah, look, gonna, yeah. see how small it is. Yeah, but so, it's not, so it's not as bad as San Francisco. Not as bad as San Francisco. I mean, so no one's going out in San Francisco at all. Yeah, so basically they've been terror- they've terrorized. And them. very few people are going out in Los Angeles. And very few people are going Lots out in Los Angeles. Lots of people are going out in Dallas. Because actually, by the way, I made that booking on Open Table. You remember when I made yeah. that? Like super late. Super, super late. And by the way, that happy hour is very popular because it's really good value. And no problem getting in, zero problem getting in. And in fact, there were empty tables there, even though there were very few tables. So it's actually really, really sad. The second indicator that they've looked at in the Wall Street Journal is travel through airports. Again, this always makes me want to cry. Now watch this film. Look at this. So that's one year ago. So the line at the top is one year ago. So basically, and the number there, right? Basically, at this time of year, you should be looking at 2.5 million sort of thing. That's that's every day. Every day. There we are. 2.7. Every day. Today, today, and this is with the recovery, by the way, so it went really dipped down. Half but right million. now, half a million. You know, what does that mean in terms of coffees consumed at the airport, in terms of people buying stuff to go to the airport, using an Uber to go to the airport, getting off the plane, booking into a hotel, all that kind of I'll tell you one thing it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean that one person from the TSA will be fired. It doesn't mean that one person from the Federal Aviation Administration will be fired. So the people with the government jobs will still be getting paid and everyone else uh, who works in the private sector. And all those people with those expensive leases for restaurants, they'll be expected to pay the rent. They'll be expected to, you know, to oh, pay yeah, the, the taxes. Yeah, the, 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 what, what, what did we say yesterday? Because we were sitting in this restaurant yesterday. And we, that was exactly what we were thinking. Because it's like, a, you know, a nice spot on Main Street, Santa Monica. 
and they still have to pay their property tax. No one has reduced the property yeah. tax. So when, you know, their expectations for how to keep that business going were based on three times the number of tables yeah. that were there this yet, as been, yesterday. This is, this is a recession. This is an economic catastrophe enforced by the public sector onto the private sector. You it's know, awful. Talk it's about just, a civil war. It's, no, it's it, terrible. You know, uh, there has been no, no problem, no penalty for the public sector, but, all the, uh, but they have just closed down all, very often their rivals in the private sector. Yeah, and I think one of the funny, one of the, one of the interesting, you know, we we um, this is apropos of nothing, but um, I find that when we go out, when we do eat out, we eat too much. We order basically everything. We order lots of food yes. more than we probably would normally because we feel sorry for the people. Yeah. Um, the other indicator that the Wall Street Journal looked at, you like this one, Philip. This is kind of one you're really interested in. Is is they looked at Apple Maps directions requests, right? And the change in the US from January the 13th to now. You look at this film, it's yeah. fantastic, right? So they've got driving, walking, and public transport. Look at the transit. Jeez. So basically, so interesting with the driving. So driving started there, we got January, right? Yeah. And then you go on up into actually, you know, little peaks there, whatever, before the lockdown, before Mar in March, right? Yeah. But we're back in terms of driving. It looks like it's almost back to where it was, if not even higher, by yeah. the way, right? Yeah. And of course, that would make that makes sense given the fact that people aren't using well, public we transport. Well, we saw our first traffic jam on Friday. We did, on yeah. The 405. We did. We did. We filmed it. And then walking, people walking directions, not as high as it was, but quite high. But in terms of a big fall off, public transit, unbelievable. It's down by there we go minus fifty four percent. Uh, as of the 16th of June. Well, I don't understand that. Who wouldn't want to get on a uh, small tube filled with homeless people who probably and, and other people who are carrying disease at a time when the police are being told that they are the most evil uh, force on the planet and who have announced that they won't be going to non-crime events? Uh, who wouldn't want to travel on public transport after that? I think you're being a little bit, that sounds like the great unwashed, you know, that kind of thing. What? You talk about the getting onto public, Phelan had, by the way, just by apropos of nothing, Phelan's had a problem with public transport well before we ever had a COVID. No, no, of course. I mean, it's the only, the only problem with public transport is the public. Correct. Um, I mean, we, we had the greatest piece of social distancing here in Los Angeles, I've said it before. People drove around, people were mocked in LA, everyone's in a car. Well, it's a pretty nice method of social distancing. You're definitely six feet from someone and there's a large metal box around you. So long live the car. Long live the car. The next, piece, next indicator the Wall Street Journal used was foot traffic to businesses, the change from March baseline. All of these charts, by the way, are super depressing. But anyway, it starts from a high in January and then obviously comes to its dip where, you know, where the lockdown happened. But right now it's back. It's, it's at just minus 22% of what it used to be. Right? Yes. It's at minus 22, but it's getting back. It's definitely getting back. Do you see that? Minus 22% of what? Minus 23% of what it used to be. Mm. Right? There's the naught percent, right? So it's at minus 23%. That's foot traffic. So, yeah, yeah. So it's basically, not it's, not, it's not good. It's not good. It's not good, it's not at, good all. at all. And then, oh, the next one that they have is a good one, an indicator, is the index of online sh spending on grocery store pickup and delivery service. Um, and so basically, you know, people are getting back, people are getting back to, to normal. So things, yeah. are, things are beginning to look normal there. And in terms, again, the last thing they looked at then was the number of deaths. And obviously the, the, the number of deaths are falling off the chart, which is really, you know, really, really good news. Okay, uh, more good news, I think. Uh, 
we're, this is we, 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 you know the greatest resource that anyone could have. There are many great resources, but lockdown skeptics. We 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 read that religiously. So Toby he, Young's lockdownskeptics.org, um, and he looks at this this claim that, uh, and it's in the Sunday Times, UK Sunday Times, that there's going to be a huge rise in PTSD caused by the epidemic. You know, and it's going the NHS has faces a huge surge in Britain's. And he looked at this and, you know, and they've got new ways. Doctors have been given new ways, new guidance to find out if someone's got PTSD. And, you know, by the way, if you give a doctor um, a way of a vague a way of vaguely diagnosing someone with PTSD, you're going to get more PTSDs. And, you know, they're saying that this is going to be, you know, and and the the guidelines have been have been drawn up by Dr. Jonathan Leach, a retired colonel who supported thousands of veterans to draw it up. Uh, I mean, by the way, P I just want to say PTSD is one probably one of the most faked diseases on the planet, and you know, unfortunately, many veterans fake it as well because it's one of the few diseases on the planet where there is a monetary reward for claiming it, uh, and where there are no uh, blood tests for it. So. Uh, he says, Jonathan Leach says, I can understand why being locked in your home for three months would cause some people to suffer from anxiety and depression. Uh, but PTSD, uh, you know, uh, he... So, the, so this is Toby Young speaking. So basically, Toby Young is saying, basically, that, you know, I can imagine that you might be depressed or whatever, being locked up. But, and, you know, you might be anxious. You might have suffered from stress. All He has no problem agreeing with that, particularly because he, I think, has four yeah. children locked up with him. But PTSD, which is this uh, very yes. extreme thing... Yeah, he says, that, well, the Sunday Times are, are pushing the idea that that the surge will be caused by people who 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 have suffered the loss of relatives, friends and colleagues to the disease. As Toby Young says, last, really? time, <laughs> last time I checked, the death of an elderly relative, friend or colleague is certainly very sad, but it does not cause PTSD. However, if you make, you know, this is going to be, if you, if you tell people they've got PTSD, do you know what? They will have it. And if you allow them to claim sick, sickness payments for PTSD, Funny enough, a lot of them will claim it also. Uh, Guardian being Guardian, uh, historical racism may be behind Britain's, uh, England's higher black and minority. Uh, black, Asian, minority, ethnic population. Bam, bam, as they call bam, it. Yeah. So, I mean, I almost don't want to um, talk about this because it's just nonsense, right? No one knows, by the way. And... You know, yeah, there's so much that's not known, but at the moment there is a narrative that has uh, that has met with the BLM movement and has become this a narrative now that be that BAM people, which are again black, Asian, minority, ethnic populations, are more affected by COVID, yeah. are hurt more by COVID than the than white people basically. And of course, this is a this is like a marriage made in heaven for the, for people who write for the Guardian. They just think this is another example, of course, of back of back, actually. I love this part of the part of the, uh, what Toby. Young says is basically that BAM or that sorry that, that COVID is racist yes that this virus which you know doesn't obviously have a, you know a, yeah. what's that called a consciousness uh, but actually has already decided to become racist yeah, well, he, he's saying you know they're claiming historic racism but then he points out you know that the risk varies between all these uh, ethnic and Asian subgroups you know it's highest the risk of dying of COVID-19 is highest if you're from Bangladeshi origin uh, it's uh, it's higher in black people of African origin as opposed from Car other or origins. Uh, there's blood just, group A seems to be that's important. That's right, and you know he points out there are other diseases that are 
really problematic for ethnic groups. For example, sickle cell anemia, anemia, anemia. occurs entirely of people of African or of origin. It's genetically determined. Racist. So, so you know, this could be genetically determined. It could also be not. It, not. It could also be because of overcrowding, where where minorities who come come to countries. Uh, to try and make a better life, live in overcrowded conditions. You know, and basically he's making the point, I think he's a great point actually, you know, that, you know, because what, what a lot of these uh, social justice warriors are, you know, wetting themselves over is the, is the prospect that this disease is racist and that obviously this proves that there is systemic racism and that people have been treated badly, etc., etc. But here's what he says, actually, it's very good. But there's little evidence that's, that deprivation plays a part. One cannot argue that hospital consultants, and, the, and one of the people writing into to, to, um, climate, uh, to, um, Lockdown Skeptics says this, um, that hospital consultants, the guy says, I was one, are financially disadvantaged. Explain what a hospital consultant is. Uh, to Americans. Oh, really? They don't know what a I don't think I, I, So a hospital consultant is the most senior doctor... Uh, in the field. In the field, in the hospital. So, in fact, they're so senior, they're not called doctors. Did you know that? In, in they're the, called mister. Yes. No, no, actually, no, no, no. Oh, I think you're only mister if you're a surgeon. Oh, good I think point. it's only mister. Yes. And the consultants surgeon. are what, what, the, the George Clooney of... Doctors. Oh uh, yeah, the, the George Clooney. All the doctors. residents look up to him. All and the they interns. really wish, and lots of them really wish they looked like George Clooney. Yes. But there's little. But so anyway, this is this guy who who's writing into uh, climate or into why do I keep saying climate skeptics into lockdown skeptics? Probably because they're both the, two sides of the one coin. One cannot cannot argue that hospital consultants, I was one, are financially disadvantaged. Yet the death toll has been higher among black Asian minority ethnic hospital consultants than their white counterparts. And why are Bangladeshis at greater risk than black Britons if racism is the cause? Most are Muslim. Yes, there may be, they may communicate closely at the mosque or at home, but hygiene standards are very high among, among Muslims. Close contact might explain the high level of acquisition, but not the high death toll. So there remain many, many unknowns. We should look to scientific explanations before we start blustering about racism and deprivation. The virus itself is not knowingly racist. Um, so I thought that that was quite good, yeah. actually. And by the way, one point that he makes um, is, I do not think that the group now shown to be most at risk should be shielded from frontline duties in COVID management. That means BAM, doctors, nurses and others. The problem is that the NHS is so heavily reliant on them. So a lot of people, yeah, a lot of black, Asian um, minorities are working in the NHS. Yeah, and yeah. maybe that accounts for a lot of the fact that... Shockingly, once again, if you... Um import uh, your workers it causes problems shockingly i mean this is you know there's a there's a, a lot of lessons to be learned from this that people won't learn you know borders are there for a reason um and don't rely on china to make everything you rely on and don't rely on foreigners to staff really crucial and vital parts of your infrastructure because foreigners can leave uh, for uh, and Sometimes, if you have one subgroup in one particular industry, they could be vulnerable to some particular shock. So you need to to have it wide uh, that uh, diversity. Oh yeah, diversity. diversity. There diversity. you go. Diversity, diversity uh, uh, at home may be your strength. So we have, um, interestingly enough, now we've discovered this is great discovery that I just made this weekend that there is a skeptical journalist 
working at the BBC, Sh- and I don't know how long she's going to last. Shocker. Shocker. So Deborah Cohen, who dry, who's uh, a reporter, a, a, a health correspondent, actually, for the BBC, is a lockdown sceptic, is sceptical about science, and exactly what she should be, by the way, mm-hmm. exactly what she should be as a journalist. And by the way, her background is interesting. She worked for the uh, British Medical Journal for 13 years, so she's a very reliable person to be uh, analyzing scientific yes. information in the first place. But anyway, she has been looking at The Lancet. You'll remember The Lancet. Why don't we remember The Lancet film? Didn't we talk about The Lancet recently? Yes. What happened to The Lancet recently? I'm sure they've been publishing pic- papers uh, really getting to the bottom of COVID-19 in a, a responsible scientific, really groundbreaking, I'm sure. Is that right, Anne? Well, you know, we know that they have egg in their face about the hydroxychloroquine um, studies. We won't get back into that again, but they well, basically- let's get back into it. They published a study that my granny, uh, and that's an insult to my granny, my granny would have known was dodgy. The, the, the people, the, 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 the study had figures that, that the, most, the greatest scientists on the planet couldn't get access to. Hospital de- death tolls and sickness tolls all over the planet. It would have taken enormous protocols and privacy requirements to get it, and they claimed to get it in a few weeks. My granny would have known there was something wrong with it. But it suited the anti-Trump agenda, so they published it, and then they had to withdraw it. Uh, and who knows how many people suffered as a result. So there you go. So they're in the news again. And as I said, BBC this have this one sceptical health correspondent, which is fantastic, who has done a, a really good piece on this. So the Lancet analysed, they did a meta-study, what they call a meta-study, where they looked at, apparently analysed, over a dozen studies looking at the effects, which is really, by the way, interesting, by the way, the effects of physical distance face masks and eye protection on virus transmission in healthcare and non-healthcare, as in the community settings. The paper concluded that your chances of catching COVID-19 if standing one meter away from an infectious person were twice as high as if standing at two meters away. So this is dramatic stuff and reinforces exactly what the British government, American government, every government has been saying. So it's a significant contribution from the Lancet, really, really important from the Lancet, right? But here's the BBC's Deborah Cohen coming into the situation and having a deep dive into the Lancet, unlike a lot of these reporters who just, as you say, Phelan, very, very often, as instead of being stenographers, do their job and do a bit of investigating. So Deborah Cohen does an investigation. She said it was published in the Lancet and at first glance, the results look sound. The re- you know, they look good. But now questions have emerged. This is about the Lancet studies, the meta study, have emerged about whether the evidence for two meters is quite as good as it looked. The paper concluded your chances of ca- catching COVID-19 at one meter was double your chances at two. Scratch a little deeper and the vast majority of the 15 studies analysed don't mention, (laughs) don't mention one or two metres at all. They say things like face-to-face contact and then this is extrapolated to one or two metres. For some, this extrapolation is very troubling. We then hear from Professor Carl Henniger of the Oxford Centre for Evidence-Based Medicine. He says the evidence is of such low quality that it's not wow. sound science. And also another, another voice of reason, Dr. Colin Axon of Brunel University agrees. There's not really any solid evidence to support two meters and there never has been. 
So Deborah, as I said, yeah, used to work for the British Medical Journal for 13 years. So she's quite a reliable person. So we're, we're asking the question, will the Lancet be forced to retract yet another paper? This could be very embarrassing. And by the way, it's more than embarrassing, right, Philip? Because the Lancet has been relied on by people. Because you hear about the Lancet. It's yeah. like the British Medical Journal. It's like science. It's like these magazines that used to be really reliable. Yeah, well. They the, used to. Lancet are the people who, who started off, uh, published Anthony Wakefield, the, uh, the anti-vaccination uh, fake paper. And one thing, you know, it's, it's a bit like all these journalists who get all these things wrong about Trump. And, and it was a genuine mistake. When you, when you have your fifth genuine mistake that, that reflects an anti-Trump story, it's not a mistake. Yeah, right. Yeah. Because if it was a mistake, you would have two. It would be even, yeah. Be, you'd have two stories uh, mistakenly pro-Trump and two stories uh, showing Trump in a bad light, and one yes. in between. It's called a pattern. As emerged. Yeah, pattern. When, actually, when every story you have, uh, and the Lancet, you know, all these fake papers that they're publishing, all are out to basically push uh, leftist talking points, like Trump is an idiot. Like we need to close the economy and two meters is better than one meter. These are all leftist talking points at the moment. And the Lancet is pushing, is publishing these papers to push them. And they're turning out to be wrong. So the Lancet has a bias problem, not a publishing paper problem. Now let's get on to our favorite story. Yeah, we really like this because property porn is one of our favorite things. We love looking at other people's houses. We love all those TV shows. We love HGTV. We love all of that stuff. We can never see enough of it. And when our friends are moving house, we're always looking to see where they're going to and whatever. So this is from the New York Times. I love the, as I said, we love this. A run on the Catskills. So New Yorkers, desperate for more space and fresh air, are driving prices up in the mountains north of the city. So of course, for years and years and forever and ever, the New Yorkers have been going to the Catskills forever and ever mm -hmm. for their little bit of kind of uh, pastoral. That's right. Yes. You know, uh, yeah. a moment, a moment in the uh, in the in green, right? Um, but what's happened now is people are starting. People who've spent a weekend or two in the Catskills are looking at each other in their small, tiny apartment in Manhattan and saying, "Honey, we can work from home. We can work from home." Why don't we do this up in the Catskills? We could have loads of space. Yeah. We could have a horse. I mean, I, we could have, we could do this. We and, could, and, I could make jam. And Hannah could have a pony. And Hannah could have a pony, right? So they're all excited and very, very excited. And by the way, and this is not, you know, this is not a story that, that is looking for data. This is, a, this is data that's actually found a story because this is, the, the, the data is extraordinary. So the house, I love this. So we're going to read quite a bit of this because it's really, we love this sort of thing. The house for sale in the mid 200,000s in the Catskill Mountains was a cutie, no doubt about it. A mid-century shingled cottage just fi of fi shy of 1,000 square feet. It had a freshly renovated interior with a vaulted ceiling. Two tiny bedrooms flanked a bathroom with double sinks and a ah. fashionable tile. Oh, so cutesy. The real estate pheromones wafting from this property were so powerful that eight days after it appeared on the market in mid-May, it had received nine offers. All exceeded the, pr the list price and about half were in cash. Two came from potential buyers who hadn't even set foot wow. inside the house. The winning bid was 50,000 over the asking price. And that's, that's 50,000 of, of, of a mid 200,000. 200, so it's a 25% more. Yeah. More. A buying frenzy is roiling the real estate markets in some of New York's most pastoral regions. And nowhere is the enthusiasm starker than in the Catskills. 
So then they talk about Sullivan, Ulster, Green and Delaware counties, urbanites with the wherewithal to venture beyond the city of New York City are snapping up primary and weekend houses, many in what real estate sales agents say is a financial sweet spot from 200,000 to 450,000. And if you think people living in New York City who own property in New York City, you know, they're living in a box. They're living in a small box. Like we were in New York, you know, for the, Weinstein. Men, for the Weinstein trial. We were there all of January, most of February for about six weeks, living in one of these shoe boxes. Now, and by the way, we were in a very fashionable shoe box in a very nice area in Soho, like really gorgeous area. But I have to say, it was a five-story walk-up. Oh, walk-up. Five-story walk-up. The kitchen was like a suicide But mission. it was a studio, wasn't it? Really, it was really a long studio. Um, the bathroom was one of those showers where you have to try and do your, do your washing of yourself in bits and trying to force yourself shower, underneath this yeah. tiny shower. And that, but, and that property was a basically a million dollar property, right? It was like I, eight or yeah. nine hundred thousand. No, I mean, the next door was a million. The one, the, the uh, exact same apartment. So you're living on in the that. Other side of the Can hall, you imagine? You live in that maybe with a couple of kids. Well, you couldn't you live in that with a couple of kids. So you'd have to live somewhere else with a couple of kids. So you're talking. 1.5, million. So basically you think, my God, imagine we could have a garden, honey, and we could, the children could have their bicycles and, and all that. And a pony. And a pony. So basically the real estate agents up on the Catskills are delighted with themselves. However, they're extremely stressed, right? It's unlike anything I've ever seen. We're busier in May than we ever were in the height of the summer, which is our high season in the Catskills, said Robin Jones, an agent with Country House Realty in Sullivan County. I've been in five bidding wars in the last few weeks. So this is all COVID driven and this is all, this is people wanting to get out of the dangerous city because, well, dangerous city because of COVID, uh, they can work from home and then dangerous city too because I just saw there was a spate of shootings oh. in New York City uh, on Saturday night, like it was something like 11 shootings, one death. You know, so and people who are being caught with guns are being bailed out again because, uh, because of the dangers of COVID in the prison. So people are being arrested for very serious crimes and immediately uh, bailed out. So there's a crime wave in New York City at the moment pushing this as well. So although the market came to a halt with the statewide sheltering order in mid-March, April house sales in Ulster County, that's up in the Catskills area, the most <coughs> active in the region, declined by only 0.6% compared to April 2019. Mm -hmm. You know, so basically there's no, you know, they're, they're, the real estate uh, market in the Catskills is is booming, booming right? right? But even these numbers don't tell the whole story, said Ted Sweeney, the president of Hudson Valley Catskill Region Multiple Listing Service, because they reflect deals struck before the pandemic. More indicative of the market's fever are the 416 Ulster County houses that went pending or under contract in May. May. Wow. Theoretically, most of these 416 houses will close in July and August, Mr. Sweeney said. A considerable increase over the 238 houses so that closed double. Yeah, last year, basically. Yeah. Miss, Miss Jones described her typical clients as New Yorkers who are lucky enough to have discovered or renewed their appreciation of the ease of working from home and see no point in paying astronomical city prices when they will likely be wary of attending cultural events when the events finally return or rubbing shoulders in bars um, with other people. But actually, the other thing as well, though, and you make this point is, you know, in some of those apartments, we were, you know, yeah. unfortunate enough, actually, in that apartment that we stayed in, that it was a walk-up. But actually, the, you don't want to be getting into an elevator, a tight elevator, with a bunch of people, yeah. given given what we've been can, told, can right? Can I just say something? I am very familiar with this part of the world, excuse me. <clears throat> the Catskills? Yeah, uh, and that part of New York, because we did the fracking documentary. And... Uh, 
this part, Delaware County, Sullivan County, Ulster County. So there are all these beautiful old farmhouses for sale now because there are all these beautiful old multi-generational farms for sale uh, because the people of New York got the governor uh, to institute... New York a, City. Uh, people of New York City got the governor to institute a moratorium on fracking. So you go over across the border into Pennsylvania, there are, there are no farmhouses for sale because the farmers are now back on their feet because they're getting money from fracking. They got bonuses for signing, they got royalties, they got paid per, you know, some of them, they got hundreds of thousands of dollars, which saved the family farm. Yeah. So these New Yorkers made sure that the family farm was taxed to death. Yep. The small family farm, multi-generation, and now they're going like vultures to pick over the, I'm not, not everyone, maybe some of them were in favor of fracking, yep. but you know, it's a must be a bit sickening, and we'll we'll get on to how locals. But of course, the New York Times doesn't mention this. Yeah, no, no, uh, they don't mention fracking at animosity, all. Animosity, yeah. but there would be no houses for sale in Ulster County in Delaware County if there was fracking. According to the state, so according to the state association, the number of new listings in Sullivan County shrank by seventy-seven yeah, so, so percent in April. They've just been snapped up. Everything's been snapped up, but you know, but one of the things that people have been saying. Um, one of the things people have been saying is, you know, be careful. I, I mean, I, this is, I just, they, of course, they should be doing, somebody should be doing a documentary, by the way, about these New Yorkers who are now are going to be up like in their, you know, in their rural idol. But the problem with the rural idol, here's a couple of problems. Well, actually, I, I, love, I love this. So among the vanishing in, inventory, buyers from Manhattan are competing ferociously for a small subset of houses. And the uh, quote. Oh, yeah. Here's what they're looking for. Go ahead. Something funky cute and creative looking yeah. you know because of course you wouldn't want to look like you're living in some kind of you know sort of development or something that's right or some something, modern that, was, something that was built six years ago you yeah know? you need something funky you know so that yeah. the, so that the friends who are coming up from brooklyn you know would be only expecting something funky you know yeah but but and by the way with a story attached but by the way you know something yeah funky. don't worry yeah be careful about wanting a story attached to your house because here's what the story might be attached to your house yes. Oh yeah, no internet connection or really bad internet connection. Yes. No running water. Basically, you're not on the mains. You're in the middle of nowhere, right? You're, you've so got a well. You've got a well, and also the other problem is you do not. You're not part of the sewage system, so you're working and organizing and trying to manage a septic tank. Yeah. Uh, all things, by the way, that people who've lived there forever are very familiar with and don't have any problem with. And the other thing that you're going to be dealing with in the winter is. Uh, trying to work out how to dig yourself out from the snow day after day after day after day. And another thing you'll be dealing with is winter, right? Because, you know, winter, you can sort of avoid winter in the city. Yeah, Philip and I, so Philip and I read this yesterday and then had a very long conversation about, so if you were, so it's not like the weather is different in New, in Manhattan necessarily, although it obviously is, but, but the big difference, by the way, one of the other big differences is, so in the winter, it's grey. And by the way, we know that we were brought up in Ireland. We've done, we've suffered enough winters but it's a long for a lifetime. Winter. It's a long winter, and there's a lot of grey days. People don't Those realize days, it gets, it's winter sort of starts October oh, and yeah. ends in May in or May. March, but, April. But, but those grey days, if you're in Manhattan or if you're in Brooklyn, you know you don't mind them so much because you got all the lovely shops and you got all the and the skyline is interesting and at night there's twinkling lights. Yeah, but you're up in Ulster County in the depths of winter, and it's grey, and it's grey, grey, grey. Then it's dark, and there's no streetlights. And you have very bad internet connection, and you're knocking around this l really large property, but there's nowhere to go at night. 
because a lot of places aren't open. And you've got your own boiler. It's not run by the, 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 the HOA. Yes. Uh, you've got your own boiler that can give out, your own air conditioning can give out, your own fridge that can give out. You know, these are these are uh, issues that you're going to have to, you know, work around. Uh, you know, but that, that is the way of the world now. People are going to, I, I wonder, it would be very, I mean, that's, I think know, it's a great. I know the, great, all those. Remember by the, the way, I think it's a great reality show for well, someone to go up and well, watch a, these people. It's a great book. You know, remember in the seventies and eighties, with all these books. You know, a, a year in Provence. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. somebody going to Cartona in uh, in, Italy. Uh, in Italy and meeting the quirky locals and yeah, yeah. and trying to do up their house. That's you know because I think the culture difference between uh, Manhattan and Ulster County in Delaware. I mean, James about James Carville described Pennsylvania as what was it Pittsburgh and Philadelphia with Alabama in between, and you know. The, the, the difference between Manhattan and upstate New York is... Is, is the difference is, 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 more, is maybe more stark than the difference between leaving suburban England and going to live in France in the countryside. Yes, yes. You know, that actually this is even more mind-boggling. But we just love that story. And uh, one of the, you know, the, the piece finish, finishes with one of the real estate agents, Miss Beller, saying, she's, I'm basically losing my mind. It's so insanely busy. Yeah, and, and they do mention a little bit, but we want to wrap up now because it's gone. We do, they do mention there's a bit of hostility hostility uh, between locals and uh, and and these interlopers that's another thing that has risen uh, it's very interesting you know in places like Ireland like this nativism that has come out of COVID-19 oh, yeah. liberal na- nativism we've come across we've, we've mentioned you know, this before as well you're not allowed I mean you're not people allowed. who have second homes but people who have second homes in France and who are going to those second homes in France and got out of Paris we're, we're meeting with a lot of hostility from the locals. Multi-generational second homes, right? And, and it's the same in Ireland. You could have a second home, but but you weren't allowed to go to it, and the locals w- would turn you back, and you weren't welcome. Well, sorry, I, you know, you own the house. You pay the taxes on the house. Yeah. Why are, the, why are you not allowed to go to your property? Because because nativism. And, but suddenly, this kind of nativism is okay. Yeah. So, yeah. listen, thank you for tuning in. Uh, we will be back tomorrow morning with all the latest news, views, advice, and madness of this pandemic that we are still going through. Um, soon. Next time. Okay, bye. Bye-bye. Hey.